name's David Vardabedian. Thanks so much for tuning in to Get Real Sobriety. Hope you enjoy this show. Hi, we're back. I'm here with Tasha Martin today. Welcome back. Hello. It's good to see you again. Um, we're going to go into um, the part of the book where we talk about steps one through three, right? So I've always broken down the steps, um, the 12 steps, into three components, basically one through three, four through nine, and 10 through 12. And um, one through three is, is basically, you know, getting back to, you know, one admitted I'm powerless over alcohol or addiction or sex or whatever, whatever food it is, it is you know, yeah. whatever makes you feel. <laughs> um, uh, admitted I'm powerless over my addiction, my alcoholism, hyphen that our life become unmanageable. And I know we talked about in um, the previous podcast about the brain chemistry and stuff like that. This uh, step one, you know, we're going to talk about that act of surrender and all of that. And then uh, step two, came to believe that a power greater than yourself could restore you to sanity. And It's a and, tricky one. Yeah. It trips people up. I know. So, I mean, nine out of ten times with step two, if I say what's a power greater than yourself, people would, you know, refer to God. And we wrote a book. You know, I wrote a book. I was called, like, I didn't write a book. You yeah, wrote a book. Right, mm. Called The Twelve Steps Without God. So, you know, we're kind of going to break that down tonight. And then the third step, you know, made that decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, you know. And so we kind of have to, you know, I kind of break it down in the way that I, you know, my philosophy on the 12 steps. And it's not some woo-woo thing. It's just basically do the work and get a result, you know. Yeah. So I don't, you know... It's, Going back to when you first came into the program, what was like step one like for you? Um, step one for me, I mean, okay, step one, it, to me that like hyphen that you mentioned, you know, like it really was two different things that I kind of had to wrap my head around. The first of which was pretty easy for me to wrap my head around. It's like my life, you know, I'm powerless over drugs and alcohol. Right. Um I mean, that had, I knew that. Um, but then it was like the, and my life has become unmanageable. That I, is such a, like a, 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 an onion full of layers. Yeah. Because on the, what drove me into treatment was, you know, meth psychosis. And so that, yes, my life was unmanageable in that way. But once you detox off whatever you're detoxing off of, I think it, it's easy to to kind of lull yourself into thinking, oh, well, that unmanageability is now taken care of because I'm not psychotic right. or I'm not fiending, I'm not dope sick, whatever the case may be, you know? Well, and I know that, you know, that very first thing, you know, and there's only one place in the big book that they talk about step one, you know, uh, admit to our innermost self that we are alcoholics or addicts, you know, mm -hmm. whatever it may be. Um, and so that that's like a, this act of surrender to me, you know. And so it goes back to the allergy, the brain chemistry stuff is that I think in the very first part of step one, for me anyway, is that I admit that I'm powerless over alcohol, that I have some kind of, 
some kind of different chemistry than a normal temperate drinker, right? Yeah. And so the allergy, what they talk about, for me, is like, you know, I, I don't know if I came up with I thought of this. It was like when you set your thermostat in your house. Yeah. You know, you set it to 68 or 72, however warm you want to be. And when the thermostat gets to that point, it turns off, you know, and then... So with an alcoholic, my like kind of you know theory on that is that they don't have a thermostat. So once that allergy or that chemical imbalance is triggered in the body, it, you just start drinking. And the fucked up part is that some people go and are periodics. Yeah, you know, like they'll you know, like I had a friend that would. I'm not a periodic. I start drinking using it just goes to from zero oh, to yeah, a million. Oh yeah, we're going. You know? But you know, a periodic would like, oh fuck, I drank successfully this time, you know, and then maybe done did that like a bunch of other times, and then six months later they're on a you know pill powder booze run yeah. and end up in yeah. county jail or in rehab or something. So. That very first part of step one, you know, we admitted we are powerless over our addiction. We're just, you know, for me, I'm saying I have a chemical imbalance. I can't drink or use safely no matter what. Well, yeah, and I mean, I've heard it so many times, uh, you know, until people have been blue in the face. Uh, You know, the, the step one is the only one you have to do perfectly. Right. Everything else is progress, not perfection. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean... It is. It's insidious that 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 admission of powerlessness in a lot of ways because I don't think, and I and I think it's a good thing that like you don't necessarily understand the gravity of that statement when you're brand new. Um, I know that I had to take it a bit at a time, and I fell on my face a lot along the way because it's easy. I think when you're so beaten down. By, I mean, let's just say your 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 substance of choice. You know, like it's easy for me to come in after being, you know, strung out to be like, yeah, I am powerless over heroin. I cannot, or meth, or you know, alcohol. Like I I can't do it anymore. Um, but then you think, well, I could just like take some acid, right? Or you know, smoke that, weed. Or oh, do, the right. weed thing. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, but you know, weed's fine, right? That's mellow. I heard that term recently. I had never heard before. California. I knew sober. you were going to say that. Right? Yes. Yeah. Have you heard that? Is that I had new heard that. Or is that. I don't know if that's new. I feel like uh, who who was it in? Oh, Dem. Who? Yeah, the Demi Lovato. Yes. Like, uh, which whatever. I was like, God bless her. I, I wish, her <laughs> wish the you're the best. I know. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, I'd we heard don't that. Talk shit here. I'd heard that. I'd heard that in the sober livings. Oh, you did. <laughs> <laughs> so what does it mean that we just smoke weed and everything we're abstinent from everything um it i've heard i've heard it it's either that or that you can drink and smoke weed which i feel like at which case in which point like are you yeah, well, how are you saying you're sober in any fashion well the other thing i want to preface is that you know i spawn i've sponsored you know i don't want to say thousands of people but you know my my birthday's coming up i'll be 32 years sober it's Holy clean and sober holy shit wow, that's a long time that's amazing. longer than a lot of people have been alive and it just makes me feel old but now it but the point i'm i'm making is that some of the guys that i sponsor cuz there's you know what do we say the new thing in the new last 15 years is suboxone yeah. you know and so They'll say, will you still sponsor me if I'm on Suboxone? And I, and I won't, 
And it's not a judgment thing. It's just like, I think, you know, total abstinence at some point should be a good thing. So we might have a goal, but I think the 12 steps will benefit anyway, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the 12 steps benefit people with codependency issues who are may or may not still be drinking or smoking weed or doing whatever they're doing Um, or, you know, people sex and love anonymous or, you know, all of those things. Um, yeah, Suboxone, man, that's a it's hot a, button. Yeah, but so the point is, is I'm not saying, you know, here we are, we're saying <coughs> complete abstinence. But <coughs> like I said, I still will sponsor people. And, but I, I, I would love to be, you know, someone to be completely abstinent because I think that they can sink into going deeper or whatever. But if this gets you on the path, I'm still sponsoring a guy. He just took like a three-year chip. He's on like a really minute amount of Suboxone. Yeah. And it's more like like a binky than anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of my really, really close friends, um, you know, she has had a hell of a time staying sober and you know i just adore her and it the getting off the suboxone was really hard and it would often send her out because she would you know she'd get clean off the dope and then she'd be on suboxone because it is it is a softer landing you know for a while anyway but Um, then it's hard to get off that's i would rather personally i would rather kick heroin see i'm like an old dope fiend where they didn't have suboxone they had methadone i was on methadone maintenance for five years and it was gnarly you know like going to jail and kicking that it was oh no i know people who still have like a stutter from that kick like you know like into the marrow of your bone yeah but you know going back to step one one is it's that admittance, you know, like saying that surrender, that act of surrender where I'm powerless over my addiction, my alcoholism. And again, so what I'm saying is that I'm admitting that there's something chemically different in me than the nat- yeah. you know, average or the normal temperate drinker. And, you know, Dr. Silkworth or whoever coined the phrase allergy, you know. And so what does allergy mean? It means you know, an adverse effect to something, you know, so if someone's allergic to strawberries, they get a rash or their throat might swell up or bee stings or something like that. So that's kind of the first part. And then in the literature, it talks about only one place, you know, admit to our innermost self, not our outermost self, our our innermost innermost, self, that we are an alcoholic or an addict this is the first step in our recovery. That's what they're saying. So, you know, if we don't, it's it's just going back to if I don't recognize that there's a problem, then I'm not going to try to fix it, you know. And then a lot of people will say, we admitted we're powerless over our addiction, our alcoholism, hyphen, but they'll say, and my life has become unmanageable. But it's a hyphen. So it's mm-hmm. it's basically a two-part step. Yeah. That our mm-hmm. life has become unmanageable. And and that kind of goes back to what we talked about in the last podcast is the brain chemistry. And Dr. Stalkup told me, he goes, any one person that uses or drinks for every day for six months is going to alter the chemistry of their brain. And then I thought, like on the break, and I went and asked him, you know, I'm probably repeating myself in the last podcast, but I asked him, I go, well, then anyone could be an alcoholic. He goes, most normal people won't take drugs or alcohol every day for six months, you know. So that's one answer, you know, and then people get, you know, go to the hospital, have an operation, and they end up strung out on opiates, Mm -hmm. you know. So even the opiate, you know, opiate epidemic 
I, I don't think all those people have different chemistry. I think that they got strung out behind yeah. a, a really dangerous drug. So hyphen that our lives become unmanageable. It's not the un- unmanageability like you were talking about going into treatment, you know, going to jail, getting in car wrecks, losing your jobs, ruining a relationship. It's more the unmanageability of the chemistry. Is so it talks about this in the book that we're restless, irritable, and discontent until we can achieve the comfort of the ease uh, and comfort, ease of, the and next comfort drink. of another drink mm-hmm. or a drug, right? So to me, that's the second part of step one because I'm kind of fucked if I do and I'm fucked if I don't. Yeah. Because if I drink and use, I'm at, uh, it's, it's not working anymore. Yeah. If I don't drink or use and I don't have a program, all I'm thinking about is drinking or using. So yeah. I'm just chasing my tail it's because I, I'm restless, irritable, and discontent. You know, yep. and, and that's what Stalkup talks about is that the dopamine and the endorphins and the serotonin, all that stuff gets depleted. So now when you when you stop taking the drugs, you don't you're not going back to like a homeostasis, no. like a balance. You're going to a dysphoric state, you know. Yeah. What goes up must come down. Exactly. So you know, not to overthink it, it's just like but we're I, so good at that. Yeah, I know, right? I saw this poster the other day. It says, overthinking kills us slowly or something like that. And it was a girl <laughs> smoking a cigarette or something. Interesting. Like but underthinking kills us slowly too, Yeah. Right? So I think, you know, in step one, we just talk about that, is that recognizing that there's some kind of chemical difference in our bodies and then when we stop using, we go to a dysphoric state because our brain chemistry is all fucked up. And they talk about, you know, even in the big book, or, you know, early on, 82 years ago, whatever it is, is that this is a, a disease of our mind, our brain, you know. And, and you know, and so that, that's just going back. It's not really... Um, uh, you know, not to overthink it. We're powerless. We have a chemical imbalance that we're in a dysphoric state when we get sober. And so that's step one, basically, you know. Yeah. Well, and I mean, to repeat what I said earlier, I mean, it is, it's the one step you have to do perfectly. Just you have to remember, like, like you, like you said, you know, there is no a little bit. Right. There is no, oh, I'll just have this one. Like, I mean, I know for me when I think about like that compulsion, like the obsession yeah. that comes over me when I just ingest anything that changes my my brain chemistry, mm-hmm. I for whatever reason I always think about cocaine. Right. Because it has that like compulsive redose where you're like, I have to you treat right. this ah, this like monster. Um and even though it might not be like that with every substance, it is it's it's like this pull. Where, I mean, I know, and you talk about it in your book, you know, the lower companions right, and the lower right. self. Um, well, I always thought cocaine should just have been named more. You know, yes. And not yeah. like cocaine. It's just like, can I have more? Yeah, can or I have can more? I get some more? You know? And the difference is like with coke and stimulants like meth, the come down is different. You sleep. You yeah. Know? Heroin, opiates are the, the, you know, I remember being in jail and all the meth heads would come in and they're sleeping and stinking because all this shit's coming out of their pores. Yeah. And we're just like, you know, fucking awake. You know, awake, just not okay. No, you know, right? no. And just so much fucking physical and mental anguish, you know. Um, 
so basically if you look at step one and two parts you know the, mm-hmm. the allergy the you know the imbalance of our chemistry in our body and then the second part is that when we do sober up that our lives are become unmanageable our emotions our thoughts our feelings our, you know spirituality everything and so okay so then what's next okay we got that you know and then they talk about step two you know came to believe that a power greater than yourself could restore you to sanity or restore us to sanity and so that has to be broken down in a few parts you know i think came to believe so just believe no action yeah, really it isn't believe, i you have you know? to it's that you came to yeah we came to believe and why are we coming to believe because of that we're an alcoholic and, an yeah, addict, and our right? lives are unmanageable right right and that our lives are unmanageable and so now we're coming to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity so like I said earlier, it's like nine out of ten times if I mention a power greater than yourself in a room, nine people will say, well, it's God or it's something. or, you know." And so there's been all kinds of examples. So I think to me, if I believe that there's a power greater than myself, you know, what is that? And I talk about that in the book. Is that the synergy of the program? Is that the process of going through the steps? Is that the the you know that connectedness to some divine force that's mm-hmm. there? I don't you, know, you can call it God. You could call it whatever you want. But my belief is that if you're going through the process of this, if you're working with other people that are in the same situation, addicts, alcoholics, and every spiritual program talks about that, you know, is that the other person has the ability to, you know, help. To reach you. you. One person reform has the ability to reform thousands. But then we come back to that synergy, the definition of synergy is, you know, that combined our efforts are more powerful than are than we are individually Mm -hmm. you know that i can't but we can i can't what we can and so we is the power greater than ourselves yeah and that's so kind of breaking it down that way you know believing you just believing is someone saying look do you believe that there's a power greater than yourself that could restore you to sanity and then they're like well fuck what do you mean insane like am i like the mental health patient that's on the street screaming and yelling and barking at a tree or something but it's not that insan- insanity. It's not that kind of insanity. No. They talk about, um, if, you, if you Google or if you look up the word sanity or insanity, or sanity means wholeness of mind, mm-hmm. being able to process, cognitively process, a rational thought. Yes. So we're, we're trying to be restored to sanity, you know, and so... Knowing that you've taken step one, what would be the most insane thing to do? Yeah, to go back drinking and using. Exactly. So yeah. that's kind of the context of how it is. It's not, it has nothing to do with what they're talking about in step two, have anything to do outside of that. But it's just came to believe that a power greater than yourself could restore you to sanity, where if someone offers you a drink, yeah. you would say, you don't say, God, yeah, maybe I could have one. <laughs> you know yeah so the 
the sanity part is like, you don't have to explain it to the person, you know. I play music. I can't tell you how many times people come up, hey, we want to buy the band around. And I'm like, no, I'm driving tonight. I don't go into it. I have a chemical imbalance. Yeah, I'm go an on alcoholic. A I'm an addict. Yeah, so the person's like, I just wanted to buy you a drink, bro. Yeah, like, whoa, you know, never mind. The, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that has the context of sanity, you know, um, or what do they say, you know, um, doing, what's that, doing the same thing? Expect- oh, yeah, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Isn't that like supposed to be like Einstein's yeah, yeah. definition of insanity? Right. So, I wasn't sure if that was actually Einstein or if people just said that. One and, of those really smart people. Right? Yeah. But again, it's like the experiment. Maybe I can have one. You know, my, my drug of choice is heroin. Why can't I smoke weed? You know, mm-hmm. why can't I be California sober? Yeah, jeez. You know? And again, maybe you can, you know, I like some guy I, I ran into the other day and he goes, yeah, I'm drinking. And I go, well, how's that going for you? He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, managing it right now. I'm like, dude, cool. go, okay. <laughs> what do they say? Our hats are off. Yeah, you, hats know? off to I you. I just, and that's where it goes back to step one. So I'm 100% sure, because I've tried it so many different yeah. ways, you know, that I can't drink or use safely. No. No matter what. Nothing, you know. And it becomes, at least for me, at this point, I mean, of course, who doesn't entertain that idea, you know, that fleeting thought, but then there's nothing wrong with like ha- like thinking about it. I think yeah. you know that is the is the hallmark of a sound mind right, to like right. think these things through, but I then I think is it worth the risk? Yeah. Is it is are all the gifts that I have in my life now, all the things that I've gained back from the the flaming dumpster fire that was my life like is it worth the risk for me to go you know smoke weed is is getting stoned really worth like the potential for me to want to go shoot up right like a month a a couple days from now a month from now six months from now well i even have guys or whoever i'm sponsoring if they really want to do more writing on step one i go do a cost benefit you know, like what you were just talking about, you know, take a sheet of paper, put a line down them and say, these are the costs of me using, you know, ruining my life, ruining my relationships, going to jail, ruining my health, you know, being strung out, you know, the list can go on forever, you know, and then what are the benefits, you know, my health, my relationships, my, you know, future, future, my spirituality, everything that comes along with that, you know, so if you want to do that, that, you know, to convince yourself or something, I'm like 100% convinced. Well, yeah, no, and I think, I mean, I think that's super pragmatic, you know? I mean, if you're that kind of person, and I know a lot of people that are, I mean, especially, I think, if you are someone who maybe is listening to this podcast or is so inclined to read The 12 Steps Without God Mm -hmm. by David Vardabedian, now available on Amazon. Um and I'm recording, the, did I tell you about that? I'm recording the Audible book, too. Oh, yeah, so soon to be on Audible. Yeah. Um, but if you are someone who, you know, questions that higher power thing or takes issue with the idea that higher power equals God with a capital G, right. um, I think it's helpful to take things in a logical, pragmatic way right. and to say, like, okay, these are the costs and the benefits, you know? Like, what am I... What is it going to look like? Like play the tape through, essentially. And then people will tell me, do I still, you know, I still have these fucking obsessive thoughts, you know, and and they just won't go away. 
Well, an obsession will go. I mean, the definition of obsession is an an unreasonable thought or idea that cannot be placed out of the brain. And this is a great example of, uh, God, years ago, I was in this club where we are now in the Alano Club in Santa Barbara. And it was after a meeting, I think it was after a noon meeting or something, and I had a bunch of stuff to do. I had, you know, work to do that day. And this guy came up to me, this younger guy, that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, yeah, I really liked your share. And I, he goes, he goes, dude, I want to fucking drink right now. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh I don't want to really deal with this human being right now. And I'm like, well, you, you know, hang in there, brother. You know, the worst thing and you I kind of was trying to turn away. He goes, what the fuck does that mean? I want to drink right now. Hang in there. Hang on. I go, well, just let go. He goes, what kind of fucking arithmetic is that? You just told me to hang on. Now you're telling me to let go. It makes no sense. And so he was deep into the, the obsession of about drinking. And so I thought, oh, man, you know, this is where it comes, where you choose, you know, what's right over what's comfortable. Yeah. And I, so I said, look. I've got to run a bunch of errands today. Why don't you just hang out with me? The point I'm making is it will go away. This yes. too shall pass if you don't act on it. You know, yeah. you know, and like when you're driving your car and you're like, I need, I, I've got to stay sober and your car just drives to the connection. You're like, how did I get how here? How did I get right. here? Yeah. So he needed to be with someone else in the synergy of it, you know, coming that our combined efforts together were better than our individual powers, right? So yeah. we got, he hung out with me. All day, didn't drink. You know, he started to feel better. I took him to the 5.30 meeting here. And then I didn't stay for the meeting. And, you know, do I know that the guy never drank again? No. Do I ever really see him again? I don't know. I don't remember what he looks like. But (laughs) the point being is that he got through that moment. And you can get through that moment. Because I know that some people listening to the podcast go, that's all, you know, well and good. But fuck, I want to drink. I want to use right now. Yeah. Well, the point is, is that's why you have to like, you know, it says it in the book and I've said it a million times and I think Bill Wilson said it was, you can't think your way into the right action. You need to act your way into the right thinking. And what does that mean? I need to take the appropriate actions even when I don't want to. Especially when you don't want to. Right. Yeah. I, want, I go to a meeting when I don't want to, you know. And so going back to step two, came to believe that power of the combined synergy, you know, can restore us to sanity where I don't think, you know, doing the same thing is going to result in a different, you know, uh, you know, doing the same thing will result something differently. You know? Yeah. Well, and I think for me anyway, that taking that contrary action, that doing the thing that you, you know, that you know you should do, especially when you don't want to do it. I mean, I think that isn't a perfect example of a power greater than yourself, whether or not that is like, you know, the power of your own mind, of your own, of the program, of another person, of, you know, like if, like going to a meeting, even especially when you don't want to. Because right. there's power in the rooms. There's, pro- there's power in hearing how other people get through shit. And, or even if you're not hearing that in that particular meeting, even if it's, you know, a book study and you're reading about, I don't know, you know, step six and seven, character defects and shortcomings, like, it gets you out of that mindset. And Well, there is that power that's in those rooms. Yes. You know, it might sound corny, but, like, you're in a room of people that are wanting to get better. It's kind of this combined effort of people. And there is a power. So it doesn't, you know, and again, I'm not, you know, 
disrespecting any spiritual program or it's just this is what works for me and this is what works for a lot of people when they're struggling with that oh well do i have to you know you know go to an ashram and like you know meditate for you know, the next 20 years, or no. do I have to accept someone as my savior, or do I have to wear a yarmulke, and, you know, or do I have to, like, hold incense? Yeah, and, right? You know. Wow, that sounds really involved. No. I know. It's like, I need just to go to a fucking meeting, listen to another addict, listen to another alcoholic, feel that power, and just keep one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And then, you know, and going back to what you said about step one is sometimes it does feel overwhelming. As I, I used and drank for 20 years of my life, you know, now I've been sober almost 32 years. But the point being is that I didn't, you know, like a lot of people think, well, fuck, I have to stay sober the rest of my life. And I go, you have to just stay sober for this moment. Yeah, done. You, you have to stay sober. What, you know, why did they say one day at a time? Because it's only one fucking day and that's all we have. We, we don't even yeah. have one day at a time. We have one minute, one breath at a time. Yeah. You know? Well, exactly. I mean, I think having to think about doing anything right. for the rest of my life is overwhelming. Exactly. I mean, it was sober. I mean, that's right. a whole other thing. That's a whole other idea. But thinking about having to work every day for the rest of my life is right. really overwhelming. It sounds terrible, but I don't just try not to think about it like that. You know. It's well, like, someone asked me, "What's your five-year plan?" I'm like, oh, "One to stay alive." Yeah, you know? I, I hope I'm alive. <laughs> and and having, after having a heart attack, and two, really enjoying what the fuck I'm doing. You know, it's yeah. Like, I don't want to be tortured the rest of my life. So in doing that, that's part of my path on the program, my spiritual path. So going back to step two, you know, and I hope this is helpful, is came to believe that there's a power, the power in the rooms, the power of the program, the power of the synergy that can restore us to sanity, a rational thought. Yeah, and if those rational thoughts, they are harder to come by than you might think. Exactly. I mean, for me, as someone who, you know, I'm, I'm almost a year and a half sober, which should give our listeners an idea of how long it's been since we last recorded right, an episode. Right, right. But um, for me, yeah, that rational, like the to, under, to truly understand that the level of how of that surrender that needs to happen right. and that it is a daily surrender that has that I have to do and it that it isn't always about drugs it isn't always about alcohol it's about understanding that my thought process is disorganized is unmanageable and that that is that the drinking and using is a symptom of that yeah. that imbalance that chemical imbalance that I have and therefore I'm going to act in some crazy ass way sometimes. Yeah. And I need to, the steps are a way to channel that energy in a way that is healthy for me, that is helpful to others. And I mean, that's well, what now it's we about. Have like a guideline of how to live because, you know, <clears throat> they talk about Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous, it, it, you know, so the, so the preface is like, oh, this is about drugs and alcohol. After you stop using, it's not about that. It's yeah. about how do we have a design for living that can change the way we behave. You know, where I was so knee-jerk reaction, if someone said, fuck you, fuck you back, no more productivity. Yeah, right? the end. That's the end yeah. of that, right? So now if, if I'm, what do they say, you know, um, pause when agitated. Oh, yes. Right? Well, what does that mean for me? It's like sometimes if I get an email or if I get anxious, I, I can talk to someone else. Or the best thing to do in a situation like that for me is nothing. 
Sometimes I yes. just have to do nothing. I don't have to answer the email or answer the phone or the fucking text or they didn't text me back within the first five minutes of me sending yeah. it, you know, and then I start to get anxious about it. And that shit can trigger all kinds of weird stuff in your head where I want relief from that. You know? Oh, absolutely. Relief, how, what do I know as relief? And as you're a newcomer, if you're an old timer, relief could be sometimes taking a drink or taking a drug. Yeah. But we know that's where that leads. So step two is trying to say there's a power greater than yourself that could restore you to sanity where you can pause where agitated. Yeah, it's that, it's that ability, that moment in between thoughts where you might be able to actually be reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what is it, you know, this that being beaten into a state of reasonableness? Yeah, I mean, exactly. it isn't always, you know, your addiction or your drunkenness that does it. Sometimes it's just a the, relationship. Yeah. God. <laughs> oh, man. Relationships. Right. That's a whole other that's Pandora's other podcast, box. Oh, right. my God. Yeah, that's a whole other five podcast. Right. Samantha's coming back in, too. <laughs> you remember she oh, did yeah. Relationships. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of wraps up like steps one and two. And then we go into step three. And and again, I want to say I I kind of break the steps down into three parts. One through three, four through nine, ten through twelve. So they're asking you to that act of surrender and understanding that you have this chemical imbalance. You know, that you're fucked if you do and you're fucked if you don't. That in step two, that they just believe it. If you just yeah. have this hope that there is some kind of power in the meetings, in the program, that can restore to sanity, rational thought, where I don't react like the way I did. And then, you know, step three is made a decision to turn my will in my life over to the care of, ooh, the God word, God, yeah. you know, and then whatever we want to call that, you know, if you want to reverse it and call it dog, call yes. it whatever you want. So... Just going back to, you know, the spirituality part is that when that Roland Hazard guy was visiting Carl Jung, Mm -hmm. and, you know, he went through this whole, like, whatever therapy that Carl Jung did, cognitive behavioral, whatever he did, right? Dream therapy, whatever he did. Then the guy drank again, and then he came back and he goes, is there nothing else? And he goes, you know, you're the... Hopeless you're the, yeah, you're the worst of the worst, buddy. You're fucked, basically. Yeah. So here was his treatment plan. You remember, lock yourself in a closet <laughs> or get a bodyguard. I'm like, here's the fucking greatest mind, psycho- psychological mind in the world, telling you to hire a bodyguard or, or lock hide yourself, in a closet. Hide in the fucking closet, right? So then the guy's like, "Is there nothing else? Help me, right?" And he's like, "You know, like what? Write a script for value." Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. he said once in a while here and there, people since the beginning of time have had these things called religious experiences. Yes. And they, to me, these are a phenomenon. Yeah. And what the is vital spiritual yeah, experience? Vital spiritual experience. And so he didn't know what else to name it. And he's just saying ideas, emotions, and attitudes once were the driving force of your life are put in another who concept was put in place. So basically he's saying that we're learning to go through the steps to learn a new concept of how we're going to do this thing, how we're going to imply, you know, or implement things into our lives that are going to help us go through the daily human experience without going back to drinking and using. And then it's all about perception. 
right? Yeah. And, you know, in Chuck C's book, A New Pair of Glasses, he doesn't talk, you know, it's not like going to the ophthalmologist and getting a new pair of glasses. He's like, I'm seeing things differently. Yes. I'm focusing on, on, on joy. I'm not focusing on being a victim anymore, you know? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> now it's, they're saying make, we make a decision to turn our will and our life over to the care of God. As we, As understood, we understood him. him. So that's, that was what opened the door. As we understood, we yeah. understand God. So I don't understand God as Thor or, you know, uh, who are some other gods? Like, uh, name them. Now I'm like drawing a blank. Yeah. I don't know. You went to college. Oh, uh, God. Uh, where was the Odyssey? How many gods were in that, right? The Odyssey. I know where Ares, Ares or, you know, Zeus. All these different gods or, you know, God the creator, you know, yeah. Shiva, Brahma. That's what, yeah. Krishna, you know, Buddha, but not even gods, but some kind of deity. We're just saying, in step three, made a decision. So I'm basically making a commitment, now that I know that I have an allergy, now that I know that I need to be restored to sanity by this power, I'm making this decision to turn my will and my life. So let's break down those two words. A will is an action. Right? Yes. It's it. So you know, for an instance, an if intention. someone writes their last will and testament, what are they saying? You know. Well, yeah. These are these are my last intentions. These are my last, last actions. actions. Yeah. Right, right. To you know, I, when I die, I'm giving all my shit to Tasha. Yes. Right. yes. You heard yes. it here first. Right. And so <laughs> this is my new will and, and yeah. my final will and testament. Right. So. So I look at that as, so, you know, replace the word will with an action. I made a decision to turn my actions and my life. And what do human beings do? We do two different things. We think and we act. Yeah. Sometimes we act before we think, right? Often in my life. You know, Mm -hmm. and always in class when I was lecturing or something, you know, the one guy in the back, he goes, well, I fuck too. Uh, I'm, like, I'm, yeah. right? I'm like, well, that's an action. That would be right? an action. Let's just categorize Pretty that sure that's a action. verb. It's an yeah. action. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I, you know, everyone's got to say that. So um, I made a decision to turn my actions and my life, think and act, so my thoughts and my actions, over to the care. Care is a big word. Yes. And a lot of people miss that in step three. It's not like, Hey, I'm going to have a sponsor, and he's just going to be a dick to me the and, whole time. Yeah, tell but, me what yeah. I have to do. Boss me around like a drill right. sergeant. Yeah, it's more like you're entrusting someone to take you through the steps. Yeah, made a decision mm-hmm. to turn my thoughts and my actions over to the care of this power greater than ourselves. And what is the power? Is making the decision just to go on with the rest of the fucking steps. It's nothing yeah. more, nothing you know. Less. It's exactly. Like, I'm making a decision. I'm fuck it. What do I do next? You know, yes. That's basically it. You know. And so, if you're stuck there, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking about what do I do now, well, you know, I've had people ask me that in meetings. They're like, you know, fuck in this fucking program. I, I don't, you know, I don't even know how it fucking works. And I'm go well. Good for you. They have a chapter called How It Works. Yeah, they, yeah, right? exactly. How it works, basically. You know, they have whole meetings about it. Exactly. So, you know, let's not overthink this. As I always say, you know, if you believe, if you don't believe you're an alcoholic, you know, you know, go do some more research. So, yeah, do some more research. You know, but if you do believe you have that allergy, if you do believe that you're that when you're not drinking, that you're restless, irritable, and discontent. You're just fucked if you do and fucked if you don't. 
and you're like, I admit that to my innermost self, you know, and, and then you, you believe, if you believe in these 12 steps, that there's a power that will restore you to sanity. And again, sanity, rational thinking, different perception, different way I look at things. When I focus on what's good, I get more good. When I focus on being a victim all the time, I get more victimization. You yeah. know? So that's basically what they're saying. The change in perception is the change in spirituality. And you go all the way to step 12 and saying, having had a spiritual awakening, as not the as result. a result of the seas parting, not as a result of the Messiah coming, not as a result of sitting under the Bodhi tree, as a result of, the t- of doing the steps, yeah. the first 11 steps. Having had a spiritual awakening as the results of the steps. So that's where people get this, this confusion of what it is. And it's nothing more, nothing less. And then step three, I'm making a decision to go on with the rest of the fucking steps. So let's not overthink it. No, and know? especially when you're new. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think when you have a little more time and, you know, things maybe become a little bit more um, abstract, let's yeah, say, right. then, you know, if you want to go and like break it down into whatever, that's fine. But yeah, right. especially when you're new, because step three tripped me up a lot. Yeah. Because I just felt like, you know, am I taking my will back? I don't know. It, right. what's, what is my higher power's will? I have no idea. And then it would, you know, and then people say, oh, well, I take my will back so fast. And I was like, well, what does that mean? Like, I'm the one who has to, like, take, put one foot in front of the <laughs> yeah. other. So, like, is that my will? Is, like, I, I don't, um, but I, like, I have said to, you know, women I live with at the sober living that I live at or even with to my sponsee that, um, you know, Doing the next right thing, you know, that is, you know, acting in as far as we can understand at the time, that is acting in our higher power's will. And if you don't know what the next right thing is, you know what the next wrong thing is. Exactly. So don't, that's a perfect way to put it. Don't do that. (laughs) The contrary action, too. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yes. When I don't want to go to a meeting, I go to a meeting. Yes. When When I I want to snap on someone, I. Pause when I do. I do not. And do I not? You know, I haven't gone off on someone in a long time, but I did probably about a year and a half ago. That someone was, you know, whatever it was, and I, I, you know, I knew it was like going to use drugs. I knew that I shouldn't make this phone call, but I fucking did anyway. Yeah. You know, and it didn't turn out well. Yeah. (laughs) Because it turned out me completely, you know, railing on this human being. And then after I, you know, it wasn't like I hung up the phone and go, God, I feel so fucking good. Yeah, I feel so much better now. It was like, oh my God, now I have to make an amendment. Yeah, now I'm an asshole. Now I'm a fucking asshole, right? For not yielding to what the right thing to do, you know, what my will is. That was my will. Yeah. That wasn't a spiritual will or the right will, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think too, it's like, you know, when you have practice, you know, once and it is, it starts small. Just don't do drugs. Just don't do drugs today. Just don't drink today. Um, you know, uh, but just those little things when they add up. It, when you do have those bigger situations, um, you know it immediately when you're not in line with that. You know, positive energy in the universe. When you're not being a fr- a friend amongst friends. A uh, you know, a person among other persons. When you lie. Oh, I mean, God. It can be the, you know, when yeah. you know, like, hey, you know, wake up and go, I'm a fucking liar. This can't go on. Yeah. You can't really be a liar and a cheat 
and work a 12-step program. No. Because, you know, and again, I don't want people to get tripped up. It's a spiritual program. And going back, what does spirituality mean? It means a change in perception is that, yeah, I'm fucking drinking and using. I'd lie all day long and I'd cheat all day long. You know, it didn't matter. But now we're awake. Yes. And we get to feel this. So when we do lie or we do cheat or we do yell at someone, it, it's physical. It, like, it makes you sick. You yeah. Know? And so that's, that's being awake and being able to feel that and know, okay, I didn't really like how that felt. So I'm going to try. And like you say, it's habitual. I mean, yeah. when you're new, I mean, this shit don't happen overnight. You're talking to someone with 32 years of sobriety almost yeah. in a month. Um, that, yeah, we fuck up and we pick ourselves up and we keep going. You know, that's basically it. It's not this magic trick, you know. And the thing about the program and having these 12-step programs, if we have, uh, you know, we have a network of people that we can bounce shit off. I mean, where yes. in the normal world is usually, I, I don't know, do the Kiwanis Club do Yeah, that? yeah. Are the fucking Elks doing that, you know? I, Exactly. Yeah. I mean, outside of like, you know, your family and even then, depending, I mean, a lot, not everybody has a family that they can talk to. I mean, we hopefully have, you know, friends or chosen family. But let me tell you, I, and especially when I was drinking and using, my friends tended to co-sign my shit. Right. And I really, uh, one of the things that I'm grateful for just pretty much every single day is that the people that I surround myself with today are people who do not co-sign my bullshit. Right. And when I am acting crazy or self in self or um, in pride and ego, that they will tell me that. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, you know, it isn't always what I want to hear, but it's what I need to hear in order to continue to grow into being like a better person and not such a shithead. I think, yeah, it's just <laughs> trust the process. Trust the process. Yeah, that's, that's all, all you is. can do. Trust the process. And it sounds ambiguous, I yeah. think, when you're struggling. You're like, I'm trying, you right. know, but what? This sucks. Right. But, I don't even like these meetings. So you just keep going till you like it. Yeah, what's wh- the alternative? What's the cost? What's the benefit? You know? Yeah, it's an so, hour of your life. You know? Well, those are the three steps. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. I hope you guys aren't more confused than you were. Hopefully not. You know, but if not, email David. Exactly. If you are, yeah, yeah ask email him. Tasha. Yeah, right. Email you my personal email address. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll get into four through whatever next. You cool. Know? And, stay tuned. Uh, stay tuned. Thanks everybody for coming and listening. Bye. Bye. I'd like to thank all the people that are involved in making this happen. Gerald Jones for producing and engineering this podcast. He's absolutely brilliant. Follow him on Instagram at Sonia HTML. His music is amazing. Maya Grace for her hair and makeup. I know what you're saying. This is a podcast. Why do you have hair and makeup? We just want to look awesome for each other. See you next time.